Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm going to share my screen real quick. Welcome to The Sell Better Daily Show. Uh, we're going to give it a couple minutes for people to join in. And uh, as you're joining in, go ahead and let us know where you're calling in from. Again, this is The Sell Better Daily Show. Today, we're going to talk about how to close more SMB sales in less time. Super excited. We have a 30-minute show, so we're going to keep things pretty brief and try to uh, you know get through as fast as possible. We will answer Q&As at the end as well. So if you see the Q&A chat, please put all your questions there at the bottom of the Zoom bar as opposed to the chat. We will miss that if you put it in the chat. So make sure you put in the Q&A bar. Um, we're going to go through a couple housekeeping items and then we'll jump right into it. Um, first off, my name is Jed Marley. I'm the head of Op on Sales at Mailshake. Super excited to be here with Miranda Morrison. She is a Velocity account executive at Ambition. She's currently doing the job right now, has tons of really good information to share on SMB selling. Uh, also, super excited to be doing my first show with Troy Barter. Uh, he's an AE at Rocket Shipping, but he has over 15 years of experience in sales. He was my first SDR manager back in the day, a big reason why I became an SDR manager myself. Um, I watched him firsthand uh, you know, crush SMB sales. So we got a really good group today. And uh, welcome to the show, guys. Appreciate it, Jeff. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, 100%. Um, so before we jump in, if you guys didn't know, this is a daily show, right? So go to the website, scan the QR code. There's tons of free, really good content on the Sell Better website. Again, there's a daily show, so check out the upcoming shows. Also check out the YouTube channel, a bunch of good content there. Um, want to say thank you to our partners, Vouch, Apollo, and Outreach for making these shows possible. Um, check out Vouch. We're going to put a link in the chat. It's a really cool video tool. It's different from the other ones you may have seen out there. Um, you can basically use it as a tool mid-sales cycle to kind of answer complex questions. So check it out. You know, Go get a demo, set up a free account. Um, it's a cool tool. We'll put the link in the chat there. And then we're going to go over today's agenda before we get started. So first, we're going to talk about kind of why SMB sales is underrated and why it's actually a really good position to be in. Um, Troy and Moran are going to share some interesting perspectives on that. Uh, then we're going to talk about how to apply some of these strategies uh, in SMB to manage your pipeline more effectively. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some proven methods, real examples to speed up your sales cycle and increase your close rate. So Troy, I'm going to kick it to you first. We've got this beautiful visual of a tortoise and a hare, but I want to ask you uh, as you pull this together, um, what's your perspective on you know SMB sales versus enterprise sales? It seems like enterprise tends to get a lot more of the love online uh, and in sales groups. Um, why have you chosen SMB really as your career path and your you know 15 plus years of selling and uh, where do you see the benefit of it? Yeah, man. I, I think what makes it popular, like in terms of uh on the uh on the internet everything like that. there's something sexy about like just closing like huge deals right but like so like we, we talked about this earlier and it just was off the top of my head it's not one of the uh ones that i say a thousand times but smb and enterprise is kind of like tortoise versus the hare except like in the old story right the the tortoise wins because the hare keeps stopping keeps taking breaks things you know things go wrong it's overconfident and everything and the way that i kind of view it is like it's the opposite when it comes to smb versus enterprise enterprise is this enormous tortoise that is going across the line and if it gets across the line they win it's an enormous deal it's a few enormous deals fantastic and smb is is the hair and it's like yeah things could go wrong but what if the hair didn't stop what if it just kept going and it's like yeah it's a small hair versus this massive tortoise but what if there was so many of those hairs getting across the finish line that it equals more than the tortoise and now let's say well, a couple of hairs here and there, maybe a couple of them do. 
you know, they're, you know, one of them gets hang hung over. They don't, they don't come in the next day or whatever, but you know, enough of them go across the line that you're good. Whereas at enterprise, you've got one or two or three, you've got way fewer deals. And there's so much that can go wrong from the technical side of things, from the different shareholders, stakeholders, everything that could go wrong. I would rather ha fill my bucket with marbles than one basketball that can deflate. Like I want as many deals as possible. What I obsess over is predictability of pipeline. And if I can get enough small deals that close predictably at the right size, that works. And, uh, you know, outside of that, it's just fun. It's fun to close deals fast for me. I like being in a hurry. I like things moving quickly. I think that it's uh, it's more fun because you're bringing in newer people as well. You get to work with newer salespeople because they're usually not on the enterprise side. You take a direct hand in helping develop them. To me, that's the fun side. And I know that it's, you know, a lot of people like their North Star is I want to be on enterprise. That's where I want to get to someday. Dude, I'm the opposite. I never want to be on enterprise. I like SMB. I like fast deals. I like closing stuff quickly. And I think that I know that you can make as much money in the right opportunity than you can in a lot of enterprise places. Every single one, no, but there's a lot more SMB opportunities than really good enterprise ones. That's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Brandon, what about you? What's your perspective on it? For sure. I mean, I think for me as a relatively new rep, like I've only been in seat as a full cycle a since July of last year. Like this has been like the true experience I've had selling. The biggest piece that stood out for me is the ability and the agency to build, move, and close within the same quarter. It's not, hey, if something falls out of bed, like I'm screwed for this quarter. I have way more control over my pipeline and quota attainment because I know what I can do to make up the difference to help get where I need to go. Um, something else that I've noticed is throughout the process that it's way more straightforward than some of my colleagues in enterprise. Like we know exactly what we need. We have the champion who's power. We know like the one to two other stakeholders that usually need to be involved and we know what we need to do to help get there. Uh, and then sort of to your point earlier, like we can run a lot of deals at once and being able to identify like that consistent motion, like, Hey, I've been here before. I know when this objection comes up or I run into this roadblock, like what I can do to help sort of get over that and sort of bridge that gap there and identify those patterns and then apply them sort of in that broader scope. Um, we get to be really strategic, but still basically run, especially in the environment we're in right now, like this enterprise level sales process because of how competitive it is right now and just sort of how you need to be on your A-game as a seller, no matter what kind of deal you're working. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think the thing with, with SMB sales, velocity sales as well, is that you know, you're managing so many deals and so one of the things we talked about is how do you effectively manage such a big pipeline, know where to focus your energy and your time? Because obviously in enterprise, you only work in a couple of deals, so you know where all of your energy goes. But Miranda, like you shared this four point kind of checklist here. Can you explain to us what this is and how it helps you manage your pipeline more efficiently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something that I quote a lot of the time uh, in deals or in the context of deals is like, we know that sales reps and Salesforce hygiene are like oil and water in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know any AE that's like, you know, I really want to update my pipeline. It's the first thing I want to do every single day. But I've sort of, I've incentivized myself to be able to challenge myself to tell the story of my pipeline tell the story of my deal. So every single day, multiple times a day, I'm checking my open opportunities list, what's in stretch, what's in commit, what's in upside. And I prioritize my time and my energy throughout the day based on late, mid and early stage deals, right? So, okay, am I addressing sort of what's closest to closing? What about mid? What about the top? If I'm running low, I know I can go out and build more. 
And for each of those deals, if I'm going into a one-on-one with my manager or a pipeline review with my, with my VP of sales and my CRO, I need to be able to tell the story of each and every deal. Who is my champion? Who is power? Who do we need to get to? What is the pain that we're solving for? And what is the relevant value for that person? Uh, what's the last point of communication we had? Was it me sending my um, sending my champion something that I found on LinkedIn or something dumb about what I did over the weekend just to, as like a touch point? And ideally, like, what is it that we need? What is that next step that I'm pushing for? And how am I going out to go execute that? Um, that's just me trying to keep it clean. And hopefully I was in line with my 2023 uh, goal and resolution of Salesforce hygiene. That's helped me a lot recently. Yeah. Honor Troy, what about you? When it comes to like, so obviously if you're doing SMB, you're sitting a lot of SMB deals, you can lose track of your pipeline kind of like if you don't keep things going. So what I always did when I was like super AE mode, you know, back in the day is I had a spreadsheet and closed deals were green. They turned green. If they weren't closed, they were yellow. If they were dead to me, they were red. And the goal at the end of the month, I wasn't worried about how many turn red. I, I was worried, obviously, I want them to turn green, but my big worry was I don't want any yellow. I wanted the yellow to be removed from there. And I think part of it is knowing when to let a deal either rest or die. Because if you don't and you just hold on to everything, you know the deal, man, when it comes to like rules of engagement, all oh, the AE gets to keep it for six months. And it's like, all right, well, now they're going to just hold on to all these deals that we could have closed in ops refinery. Like, no, when a deal dies at Fleet Maddox, it was nuts. It was like after 48 day, 48 hours, we stopped talking to him. And like, when I took over as director, I was like, let's kind of gauge it a bit and not kill everyone after 48 hours. But like, it was a great rule of thumb. It worked a bit because you knew whether or not you were going to be able to get that deal in pretty well by the end based on what they were doing, their follow-up, knowing that they only had that much time. And it kept the pipeline pretty solid. Outside of that, I completely agree with Moran. It's knowing where you are in every deal. Like you have to know where you are, you have to, and you have to note it, and you have to have some kind of plan of attack to be able to move it down the field. Because if not, it's probably going to fall out of your funnel. And that's the worst thing that could happen is having too many deals in a limbo because now closable potential almost laydowns, you won't close because you've got too much on your plate. So you've got to be able to move stuff along or move it out. How do you, uh, one thing I've always struggled with with that too is like, how do you know when to let a deal go? Because in the back of my mind, I think every seller feels this way. It's like, oh, I feel like they could potentially close, right? You don't want to let it go. And so is it just coming to that realization that you need to focus your energy on hotter deals or is there something more beyond that? It's partially that, I think, yep. but a part, part of it is just like at some point, it, it, there comes time for the come to Jesus with them. Like, you, you know, hey, you, you are not going to hurt my feelings. You know, someone just said, I think Andy said in the, in the chat, knows the second best thing that I hear all day. Legitimately, I'll take a no over a maybe. If it's no, you're not, I'm, I'm thick skinned. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Is this something that's a priority right now? Or is this something that would make more sense for us to follow up on a month from now? And if you have a TBI, yeah, you might pull the TBI and you'll say, hey, we'll see what we can do in a month or whatever, you know, but I want an answer. Like more than anything, give me an answer. If you did all of the right stuff leading up until then, you should be okay with no. You're not going to close everything, but you're going to close almost nothing if you try to work a million at the same time. Yeah. Um, Miranda, one, one thing you mentioned as well is like speed and consistency and communication will set you apart in SMB deals. I know a lot of times it's competitive. It can be pricing wars, that sort of thing. Can you talk about, talk to us about some of the strategies you're using? I think you mentioned texting as well in terms of how you're keeping that, you know, 
clear communication to set yourself apart when lots of times these SME deals are talking to a lot of competitors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think something that we have a really unique opportunity to do in the SMB space is be really, really tight with our champions and develop a really close working relationship with them. Um, something that we talk about a lot internally at Ambition is like empowering them to be your mobilizer, like the person to push this forward, the person to sell for you internally, uh, and to be in consistent communication with that person. I, I remember when I first started, I was like, is it weird for me to ask for their number? Like, I want to make sure that I'm like being mindful of this. And uh, texting has really been a game changer for me, especially over the last two quarters or so. And because you're able to multi-thread when needed, because you can ask for cell numbers, you can get group chats, all that fun stuff. And I think it's a really great way to continue to build that rapport and build that relationship and keep that momentum up. Something that my manager says all the time is like, momentum is your best friend. Like you always want that backstop. You always want, hey, oh, if I don't reply to Miranda's email by the end of the day today, like she's going to be sending me a text and I'd rather get back to her than have to read that again. Right. Um, and it's another way to lean into more of like the tongue in cheek side of things. Like we're people working with people. There's a reason that people do our job is because that you're able to lean into that and consider consistently use that as um, a method of communication, a method of setting you apart. Um, to my point about like your speed and your pattern and consistency of communication is what sets you apart from other vendors or reps, especially in these competitive deals, because maybe their AE is, or maybe their platform has X, Y, and Z that they're looking for. They have this discount approved, but if they know that you're going to go to bat for them, you're going to help get on the same side of the table as them and consistently match their urgency and give them that sense of priority, like that's going to completely set you apart. Uh, plus you get to lean into the fun inside jokes that we uh, come up with all the time. And I know we were talking about before the show. <laughs> On that, um, yeah, and, and, and Troy, kind of on that on that same topic as well. You know, you had shared this in the pre-call, uh, kind of the, your 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 loose closing process, if you will. Um, I know with like again, the whole concept here is like we're trying to close deals as fast as possible, highest close rate. Um, can you talk to us about this closing process? And I, you know, for everybody listening on the show, I got to see Troy deploy this across an entire sales team at PandaDoc. Um, it worked really well. So can you kind of just break down this process and how it helps? Those deals faster and less time. Yeah, and and there's six steps, so I'll, I'll try to move quickly on it. Obviously, right. So first is this is this process is after you have done your demonstration, you've demoed the solution. Here we are. So step one, I want to verify product concept. Want to verify whether or not the prospect has product concept in the solution that we're recommending to them. Is you know as long as pricing makes sense, they're probably ready to move forward at least on the solution side. So I want to verify is three different things. Is it an ideal solution? a unique solution, and ease of use and convenience. So ideal, does the solution solve your problems that we've uncovered in an ideal way? Unique, is our solution unique in a positive way compared to competing solutions that maybe they've taken a look at? You cover both of those things, you're probably in good shape. That's how I was taught. I added in the third one, which is ease of use and convenience. Because I think when it comes to particularly showing software, but in general, if it's going to be convenient for them to act or if it's going to be easy for them to use and for everyone else to be able to use the solution that you're offering, that is, and it sounds nuts, it's almost as important as whether or not it works. Because if it works, but they're not going to be able to do it in a convenient or easy way, they're not buying it. So I ask questions to verify all three of those things to make sure that I have product concept. And then I close out by saying, based on your answers to those questions, and I know we haven't talked about pricing yet, but on the solution side of things, if pricing made sense, would you say you're ready to recommend using our solution, you know, as a solution for your business? And, you know, that works with champions. That's an old PandaDoc kind of way of doing it. It works with champions, works with whether you have a DM or not. Either way, they have to make the recommendation whether they're the person that's going to sign 
or not. If they say yes, fantastic. We're moving on to, to stage two. If they say no, you probably need to ask more questions and verify why. You may even need to uh, demo some more stuff in there, here and there. Two, you want to cover standard pricing. The goal of the step is just ensure that the prospect sees the value of your solution at the standard price without any incentive added. While I'm pulling up that pricing, I'm going to verify timeline. You probably already verified timeline once or twice already. The reason why is if I know I have product concept, there's a high chance that the timeline is going to change to your advantage because now that they see it and they like it, they may shorten their timeline on when they're ready to buy. I want to verify that window right before I go over pricing. And then from there, you know, I'm going to, you know, kind of go over uh, setting up the TBI side of things once I go into pricing, you know, so I'm cover standard pricing. My only other goal there is I want them to just believe that that's a price that we sell it for every day. For some people, that's really easy. For example, PandaDoc, we were a touchless solution more often than not. People were going on the internet and they were just buying it off the web without ever talking to a salesperson. It's very believable that, yeah, people buy it for this price every day. You may be offering a solution where you almost never sell somebody at the high price, you know, and you need to give them reasons why. So you need to talk about warranty, what happens after you buy. You want to build up the value, remind them of the things that may have led to them getting product concept to begin with. And you want them to buy into the fact that like, you know what, this makes sense at this standard price before ever doing any kind of a potential TBI. TBI is a time-based incentive. So for example, you know, hey, we're, we're, we could do it at this, you know, for example, if you're going to do a discount, we can do it at this discounted percent off for this amount of time, or we'll throw the install in for free for this amount of time if you can act within this amount of time. And then setting up the TBI, goal of that is I want to be able to get permission to create more urgency. So I limp into that question. It's not how I was trained on it. The way I was trained on it is you want a hard yes. Yes, I'm ready to move now. I don't care whether it's a firm yes or not. I want permission to create some tension and urgency. So it's like, hey, you know, I got another option for you. I'm a little hesitant to go over that option because um, it is time sensitive, but it's going to be a little bit more attractive than what you see on the screen here, what we've already talked about. Let me ask you this. If I could, you know, get pricing where it made a little bit more sense to you guys, it was a little bit more budget friendly. Do you think this is something that you might be able to make an expedited decision on? It's super soft language. I'm coming in as soft as I possibly can because all I want is a yes. And what that yes is going to do is two things. It's going to give me permission to create a little bit of urgency. And it's also going to give me a backstop or a safety net if they get to a point where I'm pushing and they say, man, it feels like you're selling me a timeshare. I can lean back and say, that's exactly why I said I was hesitant to go over this. We can go over it. You know, we could just stick with standard pricing if you want. You know, um, and uh, I'll, I'll guys, if, if you're asking me to repeat anything, I'll just post all this crap on LinkedIn. Just connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, just just to observe time for uh, for Jed. I'm trying. I'm trying to move quick, and and for Miranda for that matter. Dispatch the TBI. You want to tell a story. You don't want to tell a BS story, right? So the my favorite story is you just work it in with you as a salesperson, like we were just talking about. I do sixty or seventy of these demonstrations a month. And you could imagine that while managing pipelines, certain people are ready to go right away. Certain people aren't. It adds up. And within a few months, I've got hundreds of people that I'm trying to you know, manage. So what we do is we offer, uh, let's say, a percent discount that we offer. And if you can do it within a certain amount of time, we offer that discount. The reason why is because it makes my pipeline that, and a funnel that I'm managing smaller so I don't run the risk of potentially dropping the ball with one of our prospective clients and giving them a really horrible first impression. So that's not some BS story that I made up. It's real. That's what you do as a salesperson. The whole purpose of a TBI, it's almost, it is more important than the discount or whatever the actual incentive is, is that they believe that it's real and it's not going to stay. That's more important than the discount. 
it, because think about it. You know, we were talking about this beforehand, Black Friday. All right. Why do people show up on Black Friday? Because it ain't going to be there on Saturday. Yeah. That's why. Because people know that. So the more that you get them to see, oh, this is legitimate. This makes sense. You're good. And then from there, once you dispatch the TBI, whatever the discount is, you're verifying their buying process. What happens on your end? You're getting an idea now that you've hopefully given them a reason to move quickly. And then like you were saying, Jed, you, you, you want to set a tangible next step, you know, something, you know, and when you do that, that's when, you know, I think it's a couple of slides down the road. You want to make sure that you're offering them some value as well. So they know that you're running with them and they're not just, uh, you know, you're forcing them to run. It's not you versus them. It's you and them running towards the same goal. That's awesome. I, everybody listening to the show, you're going to get the recording. I would definitely recommend going back through that recording and reviewing everything Troy said there because he just dropped a lot of knowledge. Um, we're going to throw up a poll. I want to hear if you're on this call and you're a seller, do you discount in your sales process or not? I know not every company is big on it. I know some people have different opinions. And while we're running that poll, Miranda, I'm curious, uh, what's your approach at Ambition and, and kind of are you applying some of the same strategies that Troy's using or is your process different? I'd say, first of all, I want to say, Troy, thank you for sharing all that. I'm like taking notes and going to bring that back to my leadership team because I'm excited to implement this on that with the rest of our sellers here. I mean, thinking about everything he covered, there's definitely areas of alignment and similarity. I think that overlap piece of like, I'm giving you what I can give you right now. This sort of put my hands up. Hey, this is all that I can do for you right now. I think using that soft language and being really clear on like, I've sort of come up to my limit before I have to take it to the next level of leadership, et cetera. And then being able to make it really clear of this is what I'm asking for. This is how long I can hold this. And this is when that gets taken away. There's a lot of strategy and nuance in how you can present those things. And I think the way that he said it is uh, very similar to uh, what I think a lot of us have been trained to do, something that we definitely uh, use internally as well. Yeah. No, it's really good. I, I feel like the hardest part is is getting them to understand, like getting them to feel the pressure without it coming across as like, like you said, selling them a timeshare or whatever, Troy. Like, I guess there's a question for both of you, whoever wants to answer it. Like, how do you uh, keep it from, I guess, making it sound too salesy, if you will, or, or not putting too much pressure on them, but also getting them to feel the reality of like, you know, I have to act on this now. It is getting permission for sure. Like that, that getting permission to create tension, it, like- the reason why I did that is because I was pushing on a deal. I remember the deal specifically. I had my old boss, Travis Halk, in my ear, and they said, it feels like you're selling me a timeshare. And he wanted me to push. And he's on the line with me, and he's the boss. By the way, Travis, one of the best salespeople I've ever worked with. Um, but I knew on that deal that I, I should have pulled the ripcord on that, and I couldn't have at the time. So then it was like, all right, if I know that that's the case on some of these, shouldn't I be setting it up in a way where it's going to be easy and natural for me to do that on future deals when I need to? Because it's a lot harder to put toothpaste back into the tube. You know what I mean? So like you, I want something that sets me up for success no matter what happens next. I want to plan and practice for perfection, but I want contingency plans. And the best way to have those contingency plans is to lay the foundation for them early in the sales process. You know, if it's a choose your own adventure book, I want to make sure that I can rewind it back before I made the choice so I don't end up, you know, dead in the swamp for the, you know, almost 40 year olds that read those back in the day. <laughs> awesome. So we have the poll results here. It looks like most people are discounting to a good extent, few don't. Um, but obviously, if you are, definitely apply some of these strategies. I want to go over two more things and we'll get to the QA. Make sure to drop your Q&As there in the bottom of the Zoom bar. But Miranda, one thing that you mentioned in the pre-call that you liked about SMB was uh, being able to kind of like 
go through your closed loss leads, for example, because you obviously have a lot more of them. Do you have any particular strategy or something you can share quickly in terms of how you approach them or what that strategy kind of looks like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, candidly, I've got an Excel spreadsheet that would probably make anybody in RevOps start crying uh, in terms of color coded and the amount of madness that's going on there. But I am I think one of the biggest changes that I've seen for myself as a seller in the last four to five months is how diligent I am about my follow-ups. Oftentimes, something we've noticed that ambition internally is that a lot of our close one business is from previous close lost opportunities. And that just goes back to what sets you apart from maybe other folks that may be trying to sell to your previous champion, which is staying on them and sort of like what we were talking about earlier, like, hey, when is enough enough? Like, when do we cut this? Like, when are we going to get real or not? Right, uh, not play, excuse me, and really driving for more of that clarity. But if you know the values there in that person, it's just a matter of timing, being able to get them back and knowing exactly what that piece is that you need to share to get them back. That's huge for me. I have lists of monthly follow ups that I go through on the first day of the month. And pretty, I'm pretty sure that folks expect to get my, uh, get my uh, cold call on the first day of the month uh, because of how I structure them and go from there. I am on them until I get my yes or I get my no. And then I can respect that, put them on the list for the next quarter and go about the rest of my day. That's pretty much it. I love that. Yeah. I, especially using spreadsheets as well. I think it's underrated. Spreadsheets keep things sim uh, simple. So uh, I definitely appreciate that. I have one last thing to cover and then we're going to get into Q&A. Um, Troy, you talked about this in the pre-show. And if you're a manager, drop a one in the chat because this is going to be really helpful for you. Uh, but Troy, can you explain kind of the process you mentioned you've used at previous companies where you're kind of jumping in over the top and and, and helping out, pushing these deals forward and uh, creating more trust with the uh, prospect? Yeah. So, I mean, um, like I, we went through that process, you know, when I dispatched the TBI, another thing to keep in mind is that when I get that time window that, that they gave me, when I get their timeline, my TBI deadline is either going to be exactly the time that they gave me, or it's going to be a shorter amount of time, depending on the timeline that they gave me, the tone of the call, what I think I can get in terms of what the, 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 how quickly I can, I can get the deal in. So I'm applying pressure, you know, for, for sure. I think every good deal requires some level of tension. It might be a light amount, and then sometimes it might be more. It just depends. But every deal requires it. And when there's tension, there's a chance that there can be resentment. There's a chance that it can become a little bit you versus them. So one way of being able to to solve that, I did it a lot as a manager, but I, I do it as an account executive as well, is before I get off the line with them, I say, hey, you know, we've got a deadline to be able to do, do it at, you know, whatever was the incentive that we just covered. What I don't want you to feel like is we get to the end of this deadline and you feel like you have to make this rash decision where you're uninformed. It's not natural. You're not ready because you don't have the resources or the information that's needed for you to make that decision. And it doesn't, it, you feel like you had to do it quicker than you should have. What else can I do for you? What else can I give you to help make sure that when we get to the end of this and it comes time to decide before this deadline occurs, that you feel like you've got everything that you need. You know, I could give you more case studies. I could get you on the line with some existing clients that we have that are very similar to you guys, similar size, similar industry that probably used us for similar reasons why you guys would. And you can ask them questions and just have them be as candid as possible. Is there anyone else that needs to see a demonstration? You know, it's one thing for you to kind of go over this secondhand. I have no problem doing supplemental demonstrations for you guys. Is there anyone else that you'd want to take a look at this and we can get something scheduled? You already answered all my questions. It won't even take as long as it was with you. We can just kind of go through and it won't be canned. It'll be tailored based on the answers you already gave me. And essentially the whole point of this is that we, I get to the end of that. And, and when we get to the end, 
if they ha if they're not ready, I feel like I've earned the right to start to create some tension and do a takeaway because I offered them everything. I made absolutely sure that we're on the same side. We're working together. We're collaborating. I'm giving them everything that I can. This is not something that you get when you're being sold a timeshare, you know, or a used car, which by the way, I'm not player hating on that. I came up selling used cars. You know, I came up in door to door, but you want to separate yourself from what has a negative connotation in sales. And this is a very strong way of being able to do it where you get off the line and pressure has been applied, but they still like you more than when they first got on the line with you. It's hard to do both of those things, but if you do, you're putting yourself in the best position to get the most deals in. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, definitely listen to that and uh, apply that strategy if you're a manager on this call. We got two minutes, so we're going to go through Q and A super quick. Uh, I have one for you, Miranda. Um, do you use text messaging as a cold outreach method as well, or only after you've established communication? That is a great question. Uh, I am I not no knocking to people who do the cold text, the cold FaceTime. That's not personally my wheelhouse. Um, it's again, getting the permission and asking for permission to, Hey, can I reach out to you in this way? Get usually get that live on a zoom call and then, and then go from there. And then it's usually just faster from, uh, than getting them via email. And I find, find that they respond more quickly. So no, definitely not a cold uh, outreach method for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, David, Todd makes a good point in the chat and I've made that mistake before. Uh, I'm yeah, pretty sure it is <laughs> if it's cold outreach. <laughs> Uh, uh, next one, uh, Troy, I'll ask you this. So what's the, it's kind of a long question. What's the estimated timeline we can keep a prospect customer in the pending stage for a new deal slash renewal? How many follow-ups on average should we prefer? Lastly, how to deal with prospects, customers who haven't been responsive over email or phone conversations. So kind of a multi-question. Yes. No golden rule. It, it all depends. This is where there's nuance to sales that isn't necessarily repeatable. And it's the ability, or it probably is, but man, it'd be a long course. You have to read the conversation and where you are in the process and the answers that you're getting from them to know when it's time to potentially do a legitimate takeaway or when it's like, no, these are valid reasons, you know, that, 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 and they're working still. And they're, they're kind of selling us on the fact that they're working at it. I'm probably not going to cut bait on that deal. You know, like I, I'm going to continue to work with that one. Um, when it comes time, when it's like, man, all right, we're at the end, we're at the deadline, we're within 24 hours. You know, what I do, and this is very SMB for sure, this is not mid market or enterprise, but this is, this is what I do is we send uh, an email or I usually have, uh, you know, my reps send an email, depending on whatever the hell position I have based on the economy and everything like that. I, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I, 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 I'll have them do it early in the morning because I want them. I want to get an answer by end of day, and it's just it, it, you know, so and so, you know, um, as we discussed, you know, the uh, the the pricing uh, that was, you know, this will be returning back to this by end of day. Um, if you guys were still interested in this, um, you can reply to this email here. You can call me at blank. If I don't hear back from you, I wish you the best in all your future business endeavors. It's exactly the way we've worded it for a decade. Um, and you will get one of three answers from it. Remember, I'm only sending this if I'm comfortable with a no, first off, right? Because I'm, I'm already at the point where it's like, all right, it's time, all right? So you're either going to get nothing, and then I'm going to make it a no, and we'll put it to ops refinery. We might follow up down the road, you know, we'll definitely follow up down the road. It's a matter of when, not if. They might, or they'll, they'll probably reach back um, and do one or two things, say, we're actually not interested. All right, perfect. Finally, I got the response. Let's go. That's a no, second best thing that I hear all day. Um, or you're either going to quickly get, yes, we're ready to sign up right now. Let's go. Sorry, I had things come up. 
cool, get on the line, sign them up, or they're going to need an extension and they're going to be selling you on the fact that they need the extension. And I give them that extension a hundred percent of the time. They're still involved in the deal. They're still interested. They're still selling me. All right, cool. I'm going to talk to my manager and see what I can get done. And the answer is always yes, because I'm the manager, you know, <laughs> you have a current. Oh, yeah. no. but, awesome. Yeah. Great final answer. Good stuff, everyone. Um, just to kind of recap, we discussed, you know, why SMB sales is a really attractive position. Um, Miranda shared some really good tips for speeding up the sales cycle, closing more deals. Troy shared a really good process for how to discount, how to deploy TBIs and just the overall closing process that he's repeated for years in SMB sales. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. You will get the recording after. Um, go check out Miranda and Troy on LinkedIn. Troy's also on TikTok. You got to see him there as well. And uh, thanks for watching, everyone.